The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by a guest speaker. The statements, views, and opinions presented in this message are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online at wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474. That's online, wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474. 8474. Brad Niemeyer, he's a graduate of Dort College and received his MDiv from Westminster Seminary, California in 1992. He's been an ordained minister for almost uh, 25 years, and he's served churches in Phoenix, Arizona, and Sioux Center, Iowa, and he's currently serving as the senior pastor of the First United Reformed Church in Chino, California. He's married with four adult children and three grandchildren. So let's welcome Reverend Niemeyer to the pulpit this morning. Well, it is a great privilege for me to be here today. Uh, I have not been in chapel since I graduated from seminary, and even then didn't come that much. Um, But it's good to be back here in chapel. Uh, Some things have changed since I was here. Uh, When I was here, chapel was held in classroom number one. Now we have this beautiful facility. Uh, When I was here, uh, Dr. Estelle was a student, a classmate of mine. Now he is a distinguished professor of Old Testament. While he became a weighty theologian, since my years of graduation, I only put on weight. So uh, some things have changed. Uh, There is something that hasn't changed, though, and that is our need to be instructed, to be encouraged from the Word of God. We're going to spend a few minutes this morning looking at that Word. If you have a Bible and would like to turn to Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 1, I'm going to read this morning just a few verses, the verses 35 to 39. Mark 1 beginning at verse 35, and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. He said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. This is the word of the Lord. We looked this morning very briefly at a text which always surprises me somewhat. It surprises me... uh, Because it talks about a part of Jesus' life I don't often think of. Mark records for us the ministry of Jesus, records for us his miracles, records for us his teaching. But here, Mark records for us something about Jesus' private prayer life. I never really thought about that. Jesus had a private prayer life. It was important for him to spend time in prayer. And I kind of wonder, why does that surprise me so much? Perhaps it's because I don't put that much value on my own prayer life. What priority do I give to prayer? Perhaps you could ask yourself the same thing this morning. This morning we look at this text and Jesus' private prayer life to be encouraged. That if prayer was valuable to him, if the Son of God thought it was important to spend time in prayer to his Father, how much more for us? to spend time in prayer with our Father in heaven. Our text begins, verse 35, And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. Jesus rose very early in the morning to spend time in prayer. 
prayer was the first thing on his to-do list for the day. It was a top priority. And I, again, I ask myself the question, where does prayer fit in my life? Is it the most important thing? Do I spend time in prayer before opening up my email and checking to see what messages I've got? Is it more important than checking Facebook, finding out what's going on in the world? What time do I spend? What priority do I give to prayer in my life? Jesus rose very early in the morning. Now, I know none of us here today would say prayer is unimportant. Of course, prayer is important to us. But do we live out that confession? Does the confession, yeah, prayer is important to me, does that make a difference in what's first on our to-do list for the day? Now, I have to confess, uh, I am not a morning person. I am not a morning person at all. Um, a number of years ago, many, many years ago, uh, I used to think that I was a golfer. And I would go out golfing every week. And I loved golf. And uh, if one of my buddies called up and said, hey, I got a tee time tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock, you can bet I would be up at 6 o'clock. In fact, I'd be there early to hit a bucket of balls on the range before going on the course. I love to go out and golf. And if someone had an early morning tee time, I would be there. I have since found out I'm not a golfer, so I don't go anymore. But it was important to me. And if it was important, I would make time for it. What is the place of prayer in your life? Is it that important that you would perhaps get up a few minutes early to spend time with your Father in heaven? Rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place where he prayed. He spent time alone with God. Now often that time alone it's very difficult to find in our lives. Maybe that, maybe that goes hand in hand with getting up early in the morning. Perhaps that's the only time we have where we can be alone with our Father in heaven. Finding that, finding that desolate time, that personal time, that intimate time to spend time in prayer with our God. This is not the end of our devotions. This does not, does not supplant other devotions. We still spend times in prayer with our spouses, we still spend times of prayer with our family, with our children, with our classmates. But it begins in that time alone. A time spent with God. Personal, quiet, a privilege to talk to our Father. We have access to our Father, who is the King and ruler over the entire universe. I often think it'd be really exciting to have access to a powerful person. I'm going to use the example of our president. Whatever you think of our president, he holds a particular office. I always thought it'd be really cool if I could just go up to the White House, knock on the door, and say, I'm here, I'd like to speak with the Donald. You know, and have this, hey, come on in, come on in, welcome, you're welcome to come. We have access to the creator of the heavens and the earth. The one who has all power to do all things in accordance with his holy will. We have that great access. Do we avail ourselves of the privilege of spending time in prayer? Jesus thought it was important. 
important to spend time with his heavenly Father. In prayer, we have provision for our needs. Jesus is just beginning his public ministry, which is, I think is so interesting that why this story about his prayer life comes here, near the beginning of his public ministry. He has just spent a very busy day. This is the day after the Sabbath. On the Sabbath, he was teaching in the synagogue. He cast out a demon. He healed someone with a fever. Jesus had a very, very busy day. And the next day, early in the morning, he gets up in his humanity so that he could have strength for his ministry. The, uh, Simon comes to him and says, everyone's looking for you. He says, let's go on to the next town that I may preach there also. That's why I came. In his humanity, needing strength, needing provision for the ministry God had given him to do. Those of you who are preparing for ministry in the Christian church will need that same strength. We do not do our work in our own strength. Those of you who have entered the pulpit know that that we in ourselves have nothing to say, but God has everything to say. We pray that he might use us, he might guide us, he might direct us. We might faithfully bring his word to his people. We rely on him in prayer. Strength for our ministry, strength for preparing for Bible studies, preparing for pastoral care, for the, the, the hospitality you will do, all of those things. Needing the strength of God. We get so weak, we get so frail, and yet we turn to God and he does strengthen us and encourage us for the ministry he calls us to. Prayers for wisdom. Helping us not only in our uh, vocation, in our calling as ministers of the word or elders in the church, but helping us in our homes. Helping us as husbands to lovingly and caringly lead our wives and our families. Helping us as wives to come alongside our husbands, to encourage them. We need that wisdom from God and strength for the task he's given to us. Prayer is a reminder of our dependence on God. That we are weak, that we are frail, that in ourselves there's nothing we can do. We're, we're dependent every day on God for life and health and strength and even the breath that we take. It's like a child coming to his father. When my kids were little, uh, I had my, my study in the home. I still have my study in the home. And... Uh, the rule was um, when the door was closed, other people had to stay out. If my, if my door was closed and someone wanted to stop, no, I'm busy studying at this point. But the kids could walk in anytime. They had free access. And whenever they wanted to, something exciting happened, something at school or just playing with their brother or sister, they could come in the study and they would hop on my lap and I'd listen to what they had to say. Now, I hope it's not degrading to use this language. But in many ways, we can hop on our Father's lap. And there is a sense of comfort and a sense of assurance that our Father in heaven hears our prayers, cares for our needs. What's important to you? The, uh, the Greek test from Dr. Ba, you're sure you're going to pass, but are you really, really sure? You have to spend time in prayer. We come to, the, come to our Father and, and ask for those things. The, the life of prayer guards against independence, thinking we are in control. 
Prayer is important. It should be done early in the morning. That's private time, alone time with God. It is provision for ministry. And I want to be eminently practical today. Um, I'm not a very theoretical guy. I'm just a regular old minister, a very practical guy. How do we pray? Okay, we agree it's important. We agree it's valuable. It gives us strength. How is it we pray? Well, I'm not going to tell you anything you haven't heard before. There are many wonderful patterns for prayer. I have found one of the most helpful patterns for prayer in my ministry is the pattern of uh, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. How do we pray? What do we pray for? We begin by adoring God, adoring Him simply for who He is. Now, that's not necessarily easy. What do, we, what do we bring to God? What do we highlight about who he is? Those of you familiar with the, uh, with the confessions of the church, particularly the Belgian Confession, God is a single, simple, spiritual being. He is eternal, incomprehensible, invisible, unchangeable, infinite, almighty, completely wise, just, and good, and the overflowing source of all good. Pick any of those and thank God for that. Praise him for who he is. He is infinite. My mind can't begin to comprehend infinity, and it's God's very nature. He is incomprehensible beyond my understanding, yet he allows me to come to him. He is eternal. He is almighty. He is wise, just, good, merciful, compassionate, loving, long-suffering. We praise God simply for who he is, adoring him as a wonderful God. We confess our sins to him. We confess that he is God and we are not. He is great. He is infallible. We are fallible. We are fallen. And while, while we don't want to have a morbid introspection of our sin, there is something valuable about confessing specific sin to God. I know it's very easy to um, conclude our prayers uh, and forgive us all our sins. Jesus sake, Amen. But there's something valuable to specifically asking God to forgive us for specific particular sins. When we, when we recognize the sin that still dwells in us, it highlights for us the grace of God. That in spite of the fact I still do these things and I still stand in need of his forgiveness, he in his grace and mercy have chosen me to be his own. Again, not a morbid introspection, but a recognition of what our sin is as as it drives us to see all the more glorious the grace of God and what he has done for us. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving. Thanksgiving for all the gifts that God gives to us. He has been faithful to us in the past. He continues to provide for us in the present. We thank him for all things physical. You know, I drove through... um, the new apartments over there. Wow. Have you got something to be thankful for? Okay, when I, when I was here, we lived in a single-wide mobile home that was 30 years old. It was 14 feet wide by 48 feet long. That was it. And I look out there and I go, wow. By the way, that is the nicest place you'll ever live. It's all downhill from here when you get the ministry. So sorry about that. Don't want to burst your bubble. But that's to be thankful for, for this place God lets us live, for the health and strength he gives us. We thank him for the things physical he has provided. 
We thank him for the spiritual blessings, for the means of grace. We thank him that Lord's Day after Lord's Day we can go and hear his word proclaimed. We can partake of the sacraments. We thank him for the salvation which is ours in Christ Jesus. That God himself has sent his son down. That for all who believe in him, he has washed us, cleansed us, given us the perfection of Christ. Credited to our account. We thank God for the gift of salvation. We thank him for all things physical, all things spiritual. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and then... And then finally, supplication. This is often where we want to begin. God, this is what I want, and I want you to do this and this and this and this and this. But there's something appropriate about first adoring God for who he is. In light of that, confessing who we are and our need for him. Recognizing all he has given to us already. And then we come with our supplication. Then we come with our request. We begin by, by uh, praying on behalf of others. We, we pray for God's blessing upon our spouses, upon our children, upon our classmates, upon our professors. We pray for others first, our supplications for them. And after expressing all those concerns for those in our circle of influence, then finally, finally we get around and, oh, Lord God, now let me express my needs to you. And oftentimes that puts our petitions in the proper context. Seeing all that God has done, seeing all of his glory, what he has already given to us. Now I say, Lord God, I need so little. My list, which seems so long at the beginning of this prayer, you've provided so much. Just please continue to, to care for me day by day. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Prayer was important to Jesus. It was the first thing he did very early in the morning. Went out while it was still dark, finding a desolate place, and he prayed to his father that he might be strengthened for ministry. If prayer was important to Christ, how much more shouldn't prayer be important to us? I'm not here to give you a guilt trip. I'm here to challenge you to ask that question. What is the priority of prayer in my life? Is it something I would, I would put aside my regular time for so I can spend time in prayer? I, I used to think, you know, how could you spend more than two or three minutes praying to God every day? But when you begin to pray in this, in this pattern of adoration and confession and thanksgiving and supplication, you will need to get up earlier. You will need to, to have, carve out more time, more precious time to spend with your Father. Oh, it is my prayer for you that... That prayer might continue or become a priority in your life. The beautiful thing is, if it has not been a priority, we ask God to forgive us for that. God, forgive me for not making this, this time with you a priority in my life. Wash away that sin, cleanse me from that sin, and give me a desire to follow in your way. And God surely will give us the desire of our heart when it matches the desire of his heart that we spend time with him in prayer. Oh, may God bless us by his word by his spirit, to enjoy a close fellowship, a regular time of prayer with our Father in heaven. Let us pray together. Lord our God, we thank you and we praise you for your holy word, a word that encourages us, a word that instructs us. We praise you, O God, for who you are. You are infinite, you are almighty, you are just, you are merciful, you are compassionate. 
You can do all things in accordance with your holy will. Lord God, in light of your greatness, we see our own insufficiency all the more clearly. Forgive us for thinking that we are in charge. Lord God, forgive us for our sins, for our iniquities, for, for our pride, for our lust, for our greed, for all of these things, O oh God. Wash us and cleanse us in the blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the avenue of prayer by which we can come to you any time, day or night, and you are ready to hear us. We can come to you alone in our personal time and with our spouses and with our families and with our classmates and those around us. Thank you, O oh God, for this glorious avenue. Thank you for the beauty of this day and the beauty of this place. We ask, O oh God, you would bless those who are on the staff here, those who are professors here, that they might do their task well, help us to learn well the truth they are bringing to us. Bless our families, bless those around us. Help us, O oh God, to live every day in the light of the glorious grace we have in your Son, Jesus Christ. Will you use us, will you strengthen us, and will you hear our prayer for Jesus' sake? Amen. Copyright 2018, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way, and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.